Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast. As always, you guys know the drill brought to you by the fine folks. Shout out to Ethan Skolnick. Five Reasons Sports, your home for South Florida sports news. Unfortunately, for you South Floridians, ain't a lot of whole sports news, a whole lot of sports news you guys want to keep up with, especially on, on the football field. But nevertheless, we are here to give you the perspective of the local football teams, the specificity, FAU and FIU. Eric Henry, FIU beat writer, SB Nation, Full House tonight, David Hondel, our FIU super fan, Shane Marinelli, all things FAU for Owls247, doing a fine job being a part of the 247 network. Two teams certainly heading in opposite directions. Uh, <laughs> I will say this, and we will dive into FAU in a second, but I know for me, and Shane and I talked a lot about the game, we're just happy that FAU won, but certainly far from a full four-quarter performance from the Owls, and Willie Taggart's post-game comments even said as much for FIU. Would love to, say, to tell you what Bush Davis said post-game, but uh, he chose not to talk, so can't give you much there. Uh, let's go ahead and start with FAU because they certainly are more deserving of the lead ranking on this show. They get a 28-25 victory over UTEP. This game was not really that close. UTEP scored the final 15 points of the game. Uh, Shane, definitely, again, want to get your thoughts on you and I had a chance to talk about this a little bit last night. But this is just more of the same. And I want to clear out and leave some room here, but it's more of the same with FAU not being able to play a full four quarters of football, or even if you want to say that this was closer to quote unquote, a full performance because they really, again, led throughout the game. The fact that they were able to kind of let UTEP back into it, albeit, you know, the final few minutes of the game, it it just kind of shows the reason why FAU fans are frustrated. The fact that they feel like they can't get a full performance out of their team. So Shane, I'll let you take it away. Yeah. I went back and rewatched it today and, there were some things I was actually more happy about than I watched it the first time. Um, I, I think the last five minutes was kind of, you know, one of those cliche, you know, we didn't blow it, but it's a good lesson for the team type coaches thing. Um, some of it was just kind of bad luck. Right. I, I mean, it just kind of just silliness, like really self-inflicted, like, you know, you're up 28, 10 with, five minutes to go and LeJonte Wester gets an unsportsman like that gets you out of field goal range. Right. And then it's, you know, one big chuck down the field, a late hit. Uh, and you know, they score. And then it's like kind of a brutal onside kick, right? Like I said this to Kevin, that's probably like one of the best bounces on an onside kick I've seen in a while. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, UTEP just kind of deserved that one, right? You know, you're, it's just kind of bad luck. You know, he kicks that a hundred more times. It, it, it doesn't work. Um, you know, onside kicks are kind of quirky to begin with. And then, you know, uh, your best corner who, you know, when you look at the numbers only allowed one other catch in the game, just, they just blow a coverage. I think he might've thought he had help when he didn't. And it's just like, okay, really, it was just three plays at the end of the game that they kind of mostly still didn't play their best game. They weren't great on third down, but it went, like I said, Eric, a lot of us kind of predicted it this way that, you know, FAU's defense was going to kind of suffocate. The offense will just make a few nice plays against UTEP's really stout defense and they'll kind of pull away. And that's what was happening. But, you know, in the end, when you boil it down, they got a win for a six and one team at home coming off a bye week. 
Yeah, no, listen, I'm never going to poo-poo on a win, right? But to kind of spin it forward and effort of full disclosure, you know, I just finished taping the Conference USA podcast. I highly recommend it, Underdog Dynasty. But when you look at FAU's schedule, I almost said Joe, right? I had to pause here. Shane, does this performance beat either Marshall or Western Kentucky? Yes or no? It might get you away with one of them, but it's not going to get you away with all of them, right? Like eventually it's going to catch up with you. And I would even say Middle Tennessee, right, who seems to be kind of a spunky team, right? Like you go out and you kind of mess around that game, you know. So, yeah, you might you might run this performance and it might beat Marshall, but it's going to lose to Western Kentucky and vice versa. Um, so that's kind of what I think of it. You know, I, I think FAU's also really with this season, everything just kind of comes down to matchups. You know, I like some of the matchups for Marshall with against Marshall. We can get into that in a little bit, but. No. Um, yeah, if they play this way, one of those three teams is going to get them. And that's kind of the thing that I, I mentioned, just, you know, my takeaways. And again, you and I kind of had a chance to talk about this a little bit. I had a chance to watch the game earlier today. I don't know why it, it just feels. And maybe I am I am kind of projecting what I've seen from FAU fans, but. Nothing about that game felt to me, Shane, while, okay, you get the win over a 6-1 and one team, that's fine. UTEP is not your average 6-1 and one team. You know, three of those wins came against teams that didn't play last year. And I'm not trying to poo-poo on the fact that there's, they were 6-1 and one entering that game, but you and I would both, and, you know, this isn't the CUSA podcast, so we don't have to try to spin in any type of way. UTEP's six wins are not quite, you know, FAU's five wins um so to speak in that sense right so I guess I don't want to accuse FAU maybe playing down to the competition because you get it and I know you were very impressed with UTEP's defensive line and they do have a very impressive defensive line especially with praise Amahule but this just seems to me like it's more of the when is all of the talent going to really actualize itself or Shane or Shane and this is a genuine question before we flip it to Marshall is this just the type and style of ball game that if you're an FAU fan, you have to get accustomed to winning coming off the Lane Kiffin era? Yeah, I think that's just the kind of accustomed thing. I also think there's kind of a element, though. It, yeah, you say UTEP's not that great 6-1 team. I mean, they're probably a dumb, you know, that penalty there from winning that game by three touchdowns, right? So you look at it, and you, by the time it does settle, and – you also look back at it, you know, FU had did have some bad luck. <laughs> you know, you had, I mean, Zion Gilbert dropped an easy pick six uh, on UTEP's early touchdown drive. It was a long third down was converted on a ball that bounced off of Taylor Young's hand straight into the air between three hours for 23 yards. You know what I mean? It was just, you know what play I'm talking about? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's just one of those things that DJ Young turned around about a half a second too late. The, uh, the quarterback, Dilly, he threw it right at him. That should have been picked off. I mean, and then UTEP kind of sco- they score on a throwback play. So a little bit of it just being that close was kind of just a little bit of smoke and mirrors by UTEP. FB was kind of never not controlling that game, right? Even at the end, it was still like, okay, you know, it, it felt more self-inflicted. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of what FAU's done this year is self-inflicted. But – Go ahead. Go ahead, Hart. No, I'll, I'll let you transition here. 
No, no, I just was going to say this. The last thing on this game, I, I'm sure you had a chance to check out Willie Taggart's post game. I just want to know what you made of his, you know, specificities quote talking about the fact that he was disappointed in some of the sloppiness and undisciplined play. I just want to know what you make of that. Do you feel that that's coach speak or do you see any of that from, you know, your perspective as someone who covers this team? What's weird is FBU was, was like one of the best teams, least penalized teams last year. And then this year they were pretty good. I believe, you know, they were on the better half of the country. And it's knock on wood. I was talking to somebody the other day. FBU has been really good this year or just under the Taggart era about like just the dumb penalty, the unsportsmanlike, uh, the, you know, that kind of 50-50 late hit out of bounds. They haven't had one of those. You know, I think they maybe had one of those like the Marshall game last year. And it was because a player thought, you know, the ball was intercepted. Um, you know, knock on wood. I'm like, I said, done this, said this, they haven't had a, you know, a targeting this year. I, I probably just jinxed it, but um, you know, so they haven't really had those. Maybe, you know, I, I think, you know, a couple of the calls like young and Wester, the, the rest are just throwing them. Those guys were just talking. Right. Uh, you know, so, you know, clean that up. Uh, they, they, it's not like it's been this running issue. I'm typically, I'm not worried about that. I mean, if it happens in a couple more games, you a couple more of the unsportsmanlike. like, okay, we have an issue, but they've been pretty good about that all year. And then I don't, maybe just the refs were calling some of the talking a little tighter this game. Going to go ahead and transition right into next week for FAU, because again, not too much you really want to cover for FIU. We'll, we'll do a little breeze over, but I think, it, you know, we're talking about one of the, uh, in my opinion, I just said this on the CUSA podcast. I think this is absolutely going to be the game of the weekend. And I think this is going to be one of the more crucial games as far as deciding the East FAU and Marshall Shane, again, you and I had a chance to, you know, kind of chop shop last night as far as our thoughts, early projections, but I want to get your thoughts before I kind of chime in what I saw live from the thundering herd. Yeah, I, I think it's going to come down to just matchups, right? And who just does the little things well. Uh, I, I, right now, I like the fact that Marshall has struggled against the run. And FAU's whole offense is predicated on being able to run the ball somewhat. Uh, they can't skip a step and be like, oh, we got to throw it 35 times tonight. They just don't have that. And I think that kind of was in FAU's favor. I think being at home is in FAU's favor. The things I don't love is, you know, FAU's been kind of predicated on defense this year. They have given up some the big plays, right? Like just shucking it up with kind of UTEP's best play. You know, they had a, they had about five or six of those plays where and, – and there were some rest. You know, after you got their hands on a bunch of balls, but UTEP just chucked up a few and got some nice long plays out of it. And that's majority of – Marshall's passing game and they are more talented you know it's not like I'm not saying the UTEP receivers aren't talented but you know you, you have gains and damage if you're going in and you say hey we're just going to chuck 10 of these up and if we come down with four or five of them great Shane this is something that I am keeping an eye on when you look at Grant Wells and I want to make this point to FAU fans who may be listening as someone again had a chance to see him live for the first time I don't know if this translates well, you know, maybe over TV, Grant Wells is sneaky athletic in a way that I wouldn't have thought, you know, you cannot compare him. I said to Shane last night, you cannot compare him to Chris Reynolds or Asher O'Hara. He's more athletic than both of those guys. He's a legit four, six guy, four, six, four, six, five. 
So I'm going to be interested to see in specificity, it's going to come down to all of those football things that you kind of hear those cliche things like, you know, gap integrity and lane discipline and making sure you're keeping guys, you know, you're pushing everything inside because of Grant Wells, you can force them into mistakes. If Shane talked about, or me, he didn't talk about it here. We talked about it in our conversation yesterday. Grant Wells is someone who last week was, was an anomaly where he doesn't turn the football over in five out of their eight games this year. He's had an interception and I believe six times his career, he's had more uh, uh, multiple interceptions in a game. So he's someone who's very capable of turning the ball over at times if you make him uncomfortable. So I'm going to be interested to see how guys like Jalen Joyner, you know, guys like Achilles Leroy and, and others, how in terms of their ability, if they're spying or, you know, kind of keeping an eye on, on Grant Wells, really to make sure he can't break the pocket and pick up those little things. So in my mind, Shane, the way FAU loses this game is if it's Rasheen Ali rushing for 130, 140 or more, and he gets a couple of scores. In addition to Grant Wells, picking up a couple third downs, third downs with his legs. And he's not a guy who's going to run for a hundred yards, but if you get that Grant Wells game where he goes 10 carries for 40 something yards, 50 something yards, and he picks up a couple first downs in addition to making the, the throws that are there, that's the way that FAU loses this game. And again, I picked FAU on the CUSA podcast. I do think they're going to win this game. I think they're going to find a way to make enough plays when it matters. And in specificity, I just think Marshall's run defense is so bad. For those of you listening, they're ranked last in CUSA. And you got some pretty bad run defenses, FIU, Western Kentucky, Charlotte come to mind. So this is a game where Johnny Ford should crack 100 yards. And again, I just think there are enough plays there to be made. But Shane, I'll let you make of it what you want before you uh, transition to FIU. Yeah, FU's pass rush has not been great this year. They've been fine on the inside. And some of the numbers are a little slanted. You know, I go to, I was looking at this game and, you see Marshall has like 28 or 23, something like that. They're second in conference, you're saying sacks, but nine of those were credited against the game against Navy, right? Where the triple option wasn't working. And when you can just kind of get back there and hit the quarterback nine times, FAU also did not pick up a sack, you know, Florida, Georgia Southern, another option team and air force. In the last, you know, it's not like FE's been putting crazy pressure on the game. But since they've gotten into more typical play, you know, FE's been able to get to the quarterback at least, you know, one or two times a game. So I think they're better than their 11, and Marshall's not as good as their mid-20s. You know, each team's probably a little closer, um, you know, to the mean there. Uh, FE is kind of missing that late McCarthy. It's like that one thing, uh, Courtney McBride was a really promising freshman who was playing a lot this year and he got hurt. So, you know, they're, they're kind of looking for that edge guy just to, it's, it's almost like that one little ingredient. Um, but if they, you know, Evan Anderson and Karis Hawthorne and Marlon Cacru have done a good job of starting to generate some pressure. Chase Laster had a sack last game. You saw as well as I do. I mean, FAU picked off, FAU got two picks against UTEP. I mean, Eric, they should have had four more. Right. Absolutely. You, you know, Zion had one where he, I think he was thinking about the celebration, uh, you know, before the long touchdown to to make it 25-28, uh, Romain Munden almost had a second. It just kind of was kind of a low throw, and he was right there on it. Uh, you know, like I said, on, on their other scoring drive, it's funny, it's both scoring drives, the two of the touchdown drives that UTEP had, FAU had an interception in their hands. 
you know, and the one with Tate, you know, where the ball just hits his hands and pops straight in the air. So it's like, Helm's going to get, I mean, um, not Helm, I mean, uh, Wells is going to give them some chances. And if they get their pull in two or three, I just don't see, you know, how much, you know, how Epi could lose this game. As we transition to FIU, David, I know you've been, you know, waiting in the wings, kind of laying back. So I'm going to give you some time to go ahead and bring you in here. The Panthers fall to one and seven. Marshall wins 38-0, a game that, again, if you are an FIU fan, is probably rinse and repeat where you've seen these semblances, these flashes of maybe getting a chance to pull out a win, a first quarter, or at least keep it competitive, I should say, a first quarter where it's only 3-0 and FIU, you know, Devontae Price breaks a couple runs. You think, okay, maybe it was a chance to keep it competitive. And then everything falls apart. I have said numerous times whether it's been on this podcast or on Twitter, the third and longs have killed this team. Their inability to stay out of third and seven, third and eight, third and nine at one point in the game when the game was really competitive in the, uh, or in the early parts of the game, I should say, because the 21 point second quarter really made that game not competitive very quickly. At one point in time, FIU's average distance for a first down was 7.3 yards. That obviously is not going to get the job done. The 21 point fourth quarter or 20 point second quarter, put it at 24 zero. That was the largest deficit and a half for FIU this year. And from then the game was pretty much on ice, no real chance for FIU to get back into it in the second half. And for me, David, the play that really summed up this game and maybe this season for FIU, excuse me, the play heading into halftime where FIU, you know, they have to settle for three. They send the field goal team out there. The kick is blocked, but Charles Huff calls timeout trying to ice the kicker. So they take the second attempt. It's blocked again. Just pretty much a way to sum up again what the season's been for FIU. Uh, won't rattle off the stats just yet. David, I'll let you kind of jump in and give your thoughts, and uh, we'll go from there. Eric, I, I was almost excited when you had you were mentioned earlier in the episode that you were going to skip over FIU uh, because it's not even fun for me to even come on and talk about this team. I mean, you, you also just nailed it again right on the head with that ending of the first half is that you can just – Take a, a, a screenshot of that, and that will just define this season. And honestly, even the last two seasons at this point. Um, I mean, 38-0 is – there's just like – is there even anything really to talk about in any sort of positive? Because there's, there's really not. I mean, there, I don't know. I don't even know what talking points I'm, there is on this game besides the fact of, like, can this season end already? Like, I, I don't even know, I don't know where to go because like they're 38 to zero. Like you can't even score any points. Not only the block field chase missed another one later in the game. Like we just couldn't do anything. I mean, you, you know, my stance already on max. I mean, I want Grayson James out there. Hell, I can't believe I'm even saying this. I would rather Kalen Wiggins because you know what? At least it's fun. Okay. I'm not having any sort of fun this season. I mean, this is, it's just worse than, than, than I even expected. You know, I had pretty low expectations going into the year. Um, you know, obviously I always give the, the, my, you know, my preseason prediction of FIU basically winning everything. I do that every year, no matter what, but like, I mean, they somehow 
managed to not even reach the lowest of low expectations I had. Um, and it's just like, it's just not even fun to watch. It's not even like, <laughs> like it, I don't even know where to go. Like the fan base is just completely distraught. I mean, the, the, the most fun we're having is, is just going on Twitter and, 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 and making memes of different ways to fire P Garcia. Like that's, uh, that's, that's the most fun I've had this year. So yeah, Eric, I don't even know what you want to touch on because <laughs> just like, I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what else to say. Yeah. So as I said, I'm not gonna spend too much time on this game, but I do have one quick thing that I do want to ask you because uh, it's something that, again, I had planned on asking Butch Davis post game, but as you know, led with, he, he chose not to uh, do media. I want to ask him if the decision to go to Kalen was an effort to protect Grayson James's red shirt. David, if that is the case, just want your thoughts on that. Um, would you be fine with protecting his red shirt for the future? Or is it like, screw it, I just want to see him out there. And, you know, you look at the four games left, right? ODU, Southern Miss, North Texas, Middle Tennessee State. None of those teams, while, listen, it's not, I can't sit here and say, oh, you know, I can't crap on those teams when FIU's one and seven. But none of those teams defensively scare you in a way where you don't think that Grayson James can't put up some numbers and have some experience. So I just want your thoughts on, on that really quickly. I mean, I'm, I'm team play Grayson James now. Give him some sort of experience. Um, you know, you can – I mean, what at this point, the, the season's gone, right? Like, not, like at this point, just, just play the kid. Let him, you know, you know, make mistakes now. Let him learn. Let him grow. Like, like I mean, I guess, I guess the same can be said about, you know, redshirt again. Like, what's the point of having him play if the season's basically over? Um, <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I, I want to see him play – uh, I think, you know, I think experience is, is, is key. Um, I think it's, it's, and, and like you said, you know, the, the remainder of our schedule, you know, we, we have teams that, you know, he could, you know, not practice off. Cause like, I'm, I don't think we should be favored in any game going forward, but at least, you know, it's not, you know, we're, we're not playing FAU next week. We're not playing Marshall next week. We're, we're like, you know, and I, and, and somehow, you know, I, I, I still think that I still think we're going to beat ODU, but but I'm ready for disappointment again. But I, I, I think we should play him. I guess the retro thing, yeah, sure. But I, I'm team play him. Uh, but Eric, I do, before you, you jump back in, I do want to ask, you posted on, on Twitter about the Butch thing. And it, he said to you, I'm pretty sure, like, we'll talk Tuesday. Have you still not been able to talk to him? FIU did not practice today due to previously planned civic engagement. Oh my God! Fire Pete Garcia. <laughs> Shane. So with that, uh, I do want to you know get your thoughts really quickly. <laughs> Shane, or, or, go ahead, David. Oh no, you're still laughing. I'm sorry. So that's what that is. No, I'm, Shane, saying, I'm just laughing. Um, I wanted Shane, to say what any, people thought of FIU's new conference mates. But I'll get to that in a second. Shane, I do want one thought. I have one serious thought from you. Uh, any part of you just surprised at how bad things have gotten for FIU in terms of, you know, really this result in the season? No. Uh, it, it, because you have kind of the complete opposite leadership at FAU. And you can't be stagnant, right? The worst thing you can be in college football is stagnant. And actually nobody ends up remaining stagnant because when you go stagnant for a little bit, 
it goes backwards really quick and just, you know, not completely like we've talked about unveiling new facilities, major fundraising, all that type of good fun stuff. It's just going to lead to this. Right. And, you know, I mean, I guess they did the best job they could in hiring Butch Davis, but I mean, it's gotten so ugly so quickly. It's there's something way more wrong than just a head football coach at this point. Well, I'll say yeah, this. It, sorry, I, I will, the top. Uh, no, 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 David, please. You, you're the FIU guy. You take it first. No, no, no. I'm saying that. Yeah. Like, like it, it, it's, it starts from the top. It's, it's, you know, once again, I've said, it, I think three times already on this pod and I will continue to make memes of it throughout the week. We need a complete reset, new AD. That's the first thing he needs to go. Now you can go, Eric. <laughs> no, I, I was going to take it, a, you know, this is what I'll say. Um, <laughs> I've kind of hinted at making my feelings clear in terms of, I, I listen, I ain't never met. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Pete Rosenberg, Mark Rosenberg. I, I, I encountered him one time that was post the Miami win in which he seemed very happy that the team had won, which it was expected. But it, 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 I would go one step further. I'm not saying, you know, fire the, the school president because that's not how that works. <laughs> you can, but it's going to take a commitment from that level to say, hey, we're going to make an investment. And I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole because, quite frankly, we have four more weeks to really kind of see where the rest of this goes and then kind of dive into what's next. But in terms of I just want to piggyback off Shane's point and say for all the people who you know are really down on Butch Davis – that is one aspect of an of an operation that is, you know, needs to be examined in a lot of different ways. So all the people who are like, hey, you know, Butch resigned for the best of us, or for, for the for the good of us. I, I, you can say that if you want, um, but it, it, it goes a lot higher than that, in my opinion. So uh, I'll leave it at that. David, um, in terms of Conference USA. I, I'm not going to ask you about Liberty or New Mexico State or anything like that, right? I don't expect you to be an expert in those programs. I do want to get your thoughts from the fan perspective. What is the feeling about a what is left in CUSA from you know kind of FIU Twitter and the FIU fan base? And b um, has there been any talk at all as far as you know the potentiality of the new programs? Just I mean, I, let's not limit it to just football, just overall in terms of sports in general. Um, I mean, I, I think we're at a stage of hysteria of where we're just like finding comedy in all of this. I mean, <laughs> it's just like, it's just, we went through the phase of just sadness and denial. And then now we're just like, yeah, you know what? Like, yeah, this sucks. Right. Like, like I'll, I'll, this, this is a perfect example. So I'm looking at, I'm in this group chat with a bunch of FIU guys. And <laughs> this, this comment kind of epitomizes like where, where we're at. It was uh, it was a tweet from Pete Samuel. I hope I'm saying that right. And he he tweets source: both Mackenzie State University and the University of Incarnate World are departing the Southland Conference with the intention to join the WAC. And the, the comment from one of these guys is: we dodged these guys, thankfully. <laughs> like we're at this point, we're just like we're just we're just living we're just living a joke, and it's just like I don't. We, we don't we don't know what's going to happen and it's just we're just i guess going with the rolling with the punches i guess i mean it's the the fiu fan base is is not in a in a in a great place right now to say the least 
Yeah, David, before I get into the ODU uh, preview, and I'll make that quick, I do want to get your thoughts on this, again, from the fan perspective. Some of the the sniping and chirping back and forth between uh, Richard Dames. I, I can't remember if Richard Dames was in there as well, but I know Richard Dames sent a couple of tweets, or excuse me, Sage Lewis. The, he sent out tweets in response to Sage Lewis and Maurice Alexander talking about, you know, some of the issues at FIU and Richard Dames, you know, took comments, uh, took issue with some of those things. I know I sent you those tweets from the fan perspective, just curious your thoughts on, on that. Is that, is that disappointing to see? I know for me personally, as someone who's covered the team, it, it's disappointing because I mean, those guys won a lot of ball games together. Um, and I can certainly understand Richard's point of view, which is like, Hey, I'm the one living this. So y'all can either be supportive or not just, you know, have the Twitter commentary, but those guys quite frankly earned the right as being part of the most successful three-year stretch in FIU history to have opinions. So just want your thoughts on that really quickly. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, obviously I saw when you when you shared it, it kind of did catch me by surprise. Um, I I mean I'm of the opinion that you know Sage and and Maurice Alexander, you know they do have the right to, to you know criticize the, the the team, criticize you know where the program's at right now. Um, I, I think they can't. Basically, they're they're obviously alumni, but you know at least you know they're they're still watching, right? You want that them to come back and you want them to still be invested. So the fact that they're still watching is obviously a good sign. And I think that their, their, their voices, you know, should be, you know, heard. Cause like, those are guys who were part of this program. They saw things that fans will never see, right. They see, you know, the, the, the inner workings of, of what goes into throughout a season. So they know it better than anybody. And if they're seeing, you know, they're putting out their thoughts, um, it, it 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 has a little bit more weight to it than you know me tweeting out uh, things that I see on like a a macro level. Um, so I, I I think it's you know I I I'm not disappointed in their in their comments, and I'm not really disappointed in Richard's response either because I I do get it. Like it it probably sucks to be uh, a player right now on this team. I mean, no one likes to lose. They're one and seven. They're seeing you know their old teammates tweet out like. I think one. I think it was Sages that said um, that this team had no leadership. Maybe, maybe that that's a, a little bit of a cheap shot. Um, um, but, but yeah, I mean, they. I mean, I think they have every right to you know criticize and and you know have their own comments on it because they went through it and they, except they were actually you know way more successful. So uh, I. I mean, it's 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 also like puts FIU in, in an awkward situation because you never want to have like old players, like, you know, and, and current players going back and forth of, of, of how bad the team is. It's just like not really a good look, but like at the same time, you know, I guess play better. <laughs> yeah. So for anyone who hasn't seen those tweets, it was Maurice Alexander saying, you know, G damn FIU Richard responded back with F you hard. Maurice Alexander responded back with the Kevin Hart gift F you man. And then as David said, no leadership, shake my head. And Richard said, brah, shut. Oh, I mean, STFU, let me not say that loud. STFU, you run to Twitter every week. So uh, there's that. Shane, before I do the ODU preview, I just want to ask you this. Um, after the game, this is just, you know, kind of keep it lighthearted and at least provide some sort of, you know, entertainment or whatever. Uh, after the game, the FIU players were fed Bob Evans, uh, either gr- uh, grilled chicken, fried chicken, or turkey. Shane, uh, Bob Evans, after uh, a game in general, but especially after a 38-point loss, ain't nothing fun about that, right? As somebody whose uh, grandmother moved to Ocala, Florida, later in her life to retire, 
to, I guess, not retire, wish we well retired and um, enjoyed eating at 4.30 in the afternoon. Bob Evans, homemade, I believe they're, it's, it's homemade food. It's something like their motto. I mean, no, <laughs> it's, it's like a, it's like a chain restaurant, but for those who don't know, but a very more South approach, but not better. I don't really know how to describe it. <laughs> Just think of like a, a, a microwave version of something your grandmother cooks. Listen, you're not wrong because I'm not eating Bob Evans. I've had people try sticking for Bob Evans, say that their breakfast is good. I'm not having Bob Evans for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. There was a Bob Evans next to my high school, and the number of 75 and over discounts that they offered, like a ton. So just had to uh, get your thought there on that to keep it light. We'll finish this one up. Quick ODU preview. Uh, they're led by Hayden Wolf, who is the takeover for DJ Mack at quarterback. FIU fans may remember him because he earned his first start against FIU in 2019, played pretty well for a true freshman out of Venice at the time, but that game was lost on a last-second interception by Olin Cushion III. FIU fans, this is probably going to be – I know I've seen some fans say that this is the last chance at a victory. I, I think Southern Miss is going to be just as you know equally shot in terms of getting a victory, even North Texas, because they haven't played a lot of defense despite the fact that they somehow managed to beat Rice the last week. All winnable games, but again, who you can't look at anything that's really winnable when FIU's one and seven. But for ODU, uh, really strong rushing attack. Um, and again, with Hayden Wolf at quarterback, much more of a passing threat than DJ Mack. So those will be the things to keep an eye on. But definitely want to get some thoughts on this. The latest college football playoff rankings came out shortly before we started taping this. And to the shock of really no one, Cincinnati lands sixth. I can't again can't say that i'm surprised just more so disappointed because i think inevitably a g5 team at least in current incarnation because cincinnati's going to the big 12 deserves to get a shot the cfp the college football playoff and I, I foolishly thought that this may be the year <laughs> but uh so far it's not looking like it's gonna be the case shane uh what are your thoughts on that i think more concern is down at the bottom of the poll right There's so many g5 teams utsa houston um, SMU are all just left off, and in the end, it's let's let's stop calling it a playoff. It's not a playoff; it's an invitational. Uh, where preseason rankings, um, perceived biases, um, make too much uh, too much of an impact. And yeah, you can definitely you can go in and say, okay, our job is to get the four best teams. And yeah, maybe you make the argument that Wisconsin would beat UTSA on a neutral site, right? But why are we picking these things just based on how you would handicap a game? Okay. If that was the case, then stop the games right now and just let Vegas decide the national title. That's it. Like that, that, that's essentially what we're doing. You're just saying, Oh, I think so-and-so on a, this site, home or away neutral site is better than this team. Okay. The games are meaningless. Like that's it. And you know, it, it, it's just, you know, I don't want to hear the argument of, oh, you know, they didn't, you don't play anybody or it's so-and-so if they, like I said, if they played head-to-head, who would be favored? That's not why we play the season. Um, Again, you know, you might as well just let Vegas week zero pick the four teams and just play a four-team playoff Labor Day weekend, and that's it. No one else plays the season. David, go ahead and chime in there, buddy. No, I agree. I, I, I think it's, 
it's honestly kind of a joke um, that Cincinnati was left off. Um, I mean, I don't know what else you, you want, right? Cincinnati has one beaten two P5 schools. One of them is, is uh, a top 10 team and they beat them on the road and in a pretty convincing game. It wasn't even really close. Um, so I, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's disrespectful. It's like, but it's, it's, it's like disrespectful, but like not shocking, like you said. Cause like, it, I mean, once again, it doesn't shock me at all that they left Cincinnati off. Um, and, and they've said it to the point that it's so blatantly obvious that they, they are setting this up. Like they have Ohio State right outside, which plays Michigan State. So essentially, it's almost like the winner of that is going to get it. And then you have Bama, Georgia. So if Bama beats Georgia, they're both going to stay in. Um, so it, it's just like it's, it's almost like they're just setting up uh, Cincinnati to like get left off. Um, so I mean, at this point, the only thing that you can do if you're a Cincinnati fan is one, you know, do your job, win the rest of your games, and two, you kind of got to hope for for things to fall into place, right? Like, or also Oregon getting in the, the top four was, was, I mean, I get it. They beat Ohio state, but like, that was shocking to me personally. Um, like, I don't know. And I, I, I don't know if it'll ever change. Um, you know, hopefully when they expand the playoffs, you know, they'll G five, you know, you'll have the, the, I guess I won't be G five anymore, but you'll have the Cincinnati's, the, the UCF, you'll have, you know, other G5 programs that step up to the plate and, you know, make a run like that will have the opportunity. But for now, it's just like, it's like same old, same old. It's, it's classic, you know, it's almost like basically they didn't even get rid of the BCS format because it's just them picking the best match, the best uh, matchup for, you know, their money. So yeah, that's, it's just a, a joke, but yeah, that's, those are my thoughts. With that, well, Gary, go ahead and close this one up. I want to thank everyone for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Pod on Twitter. Find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore Shane on Twitter. First off, at Owls247. Doing a great job, as always, providing great coverage of the Owls. And on Twitter, personal account at Marinelli Shane. Last but not least, you can find David and his, you know, his uh, trials and tribulations right now being an FIU fan on Twitter at Mr. Handel321. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I'd like to close by saying happy football watching, but that only applies to one half of the Shula Bowl rivalry. And we'll pick up again next week, hopefully with a pair of victories.